Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wise, and Purple Mafia is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you for joining me once again today after another Minnesota Vikings victory. Want to apologize in advance that my voice is a little bit funky. I think it still is. Uh, I've been recovering from a cold. I'm one of the fastest cold killers in the world, but when I have them, it's a pain in the butt. But again, good thing I got rid of it fairly quickly for the most part. But yeah, uh, there's always the lingering effects that alter your voice. So yeah, let's get on with it though. Minnesota 33, Cleveland 16. A well, but the score certainly not indicator of what a ass game this was for the longest period of time. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit scary, a little bit ominous. Uh, that's a word people like to bounce around these days, and eh, it's actually a good word. You sound a little educated, I guess. A little educated. Ominous. Hmm. Ominous. Yeah, kind of like Aaron Rodgers and his constant whining. I mean, he whines more than some of the people I work with. I don't want to! Okay, that's about what they say when you tell them to do something. I don't want to. Yeah, well, Rodgers is endless pissing fest with uh, Anthony Barr. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, did Joe Montana do that when the when when he when his elbow was injured? Did he do that? I'm waiting. Hmm. And all the other rough hits that uh, I don't know. I suppose some of the other quarterbacks have been high maintenance over the years, but still, come on, it's getting old. It's getting kind of silly. Uh, yeah, go pack, go. I guess. Oh, I'm. Oh my God, I said it, but I better watch it. <laughs> and also again. Uh, early apologies in case I have to like cough every 10 seconds, but I will do the best, my best to eliminate that sound on the show <laughs> as best possible as I'm trying to eliminate it at this moment too, as we speak. No, I'm <laughs> Cleveland. Well, uh, yeah, we knew their strength was their defense and their defense was pretty good, especially when the Vikings tried to establish the run because the Vikings didn't establish the run, at least not in the first half. Kai Forbath is one of the most uh, reliable field goal kickers in the NFL. I mean, we can safely say that as much as a lot of people want to hate on him for missed extra points. He had one, well, somebody got a piece of it today, so he was partially blocked. There's no way you're going to be short on a on an extra point. That's impossible, unless he broke his leg or something. That would be about the only reason or something else that we don't want to think about all those other knee injuries and stuff. But it was blocked, okay? So, yes, he missed one. Ryan Quigley's one of the best punters in the league, too. Um, the average doesn't, also, the average doesn't show how good he is because he's great at placing the ball and not having a kick return, as was discussed in some of the uh, shows after the game, and you know, I agree, and it's like, that's a good point, and it's something I'd like to pass on, so, um, absolutely, Vikings defense, well, you know, they showed up when they needed to, they had some gaffes along the way, like that doggone shovel pass that put the Cleveland Browns in the end zone, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, I was just like, what the, is this real, or it didn't officially put them in the end zone, but it put them in position to get in the end zone, which put them ahead, where Deshaun Kaiser did what he did in week one, rush into the end zone at that point, but, well, that's kind of funny. Uh, Zane Gonzalez missed the extra point early on. You saw the turnover right out of the gate from Case Keenum. And, yeah, it's kind of similar to the uh, the game last week, pretty much, in the, in the Dome. Um, just, you know, you get a turnover right out of the gate. And it's like uh, against Baltimore. I'm almost forgetting. That was the, the that, that's the real Browns. And, boy, just, mm, there's an urban legend in the NFL right now. There's a team I can call an urban legend. I'm looking right at it. And uh, it's not just the Ravens, it's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Going to skip ahead to segment two real quick because this was a Thursday night game. I'll, I'll just mention it right now, just the score. Baltimore 40, Miami 0. 
If that isn't an urban legend, I don't know what is. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a better urban legend, a better choice for it this week. Okay, maybe there's some, and I'll come up with something along the way. Because that one's kind of more on the fly, in, in a sense. Um, because things just pop up, and you realize, oh, that was that's a better choice, even though you might have one already. But it's the Miami Dolphins, because what the hell's up with the Miami Dolphins? I don't know. Um, what the hell? Like, one week they look good, next week they get shut out by the Saints. Then they look good again, and then they get shut out by the Baltimore Ravens. It's just a good defense, but... 40 points, like 40, like really? And Flacco had to go to uh, concussion protocol, which seems like everybody's going to concussion protocol, kind of like, unfortunately, today. Now Mike Remmers, concussion protocol. Hopefully he'll be back and ready to go next week. But the old take the helmet away, you're not going back in the game. The old helmet helmet theft was back in order once again today. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, definitely solid. Uh, Latavius Murray, the Vikings tried to establish the smash mouth football like we did against Baltimore last week. It was slow out of the gate last week and got better in the second half. You know, th- In this case, slow, the old two yards in a, clouds of du- a cloud of dust. That sounds very familiar to the old school Peru Mafia days back circa about 2009. That sound effect, that sound effect is going to stay forever and now it's an improved quality one. So I improved the quality on it. Don't ask me how. Okay, no, no, I improved the quality on it. Um, more of a direct file, we'll say, rather than gorilla style, like just recording it. That's really cheap, so I fixed the direct file there. Um, what was I trying to get to? The uh, the running game, it got better in the second half. Not a lot better, but better. Jarek McKinnon, solid, 50 yards on the ground, 3.6 a carry. He did get into the end zone, and that was extremely helpful. And and every time McKinnon gets in the end zone, it's like at that game-changing moment of the game, and it, it just makes you feel better, makes you feel happy. Case Keenum again, it's just, ugh, you know, you get open players. You, you see him throwing against double teams, and it's like, well, I, yeah, I understand you get a little bit of that Brett Favre in you, that, that gunslinger, and I respect that, but I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's like, really? Really, though? I mean, he has some talent, and he has that. He has that swagger that a lot of backup quarterbacks don't have, and that's what makes Case Keenum a little bit of... There's a little silver lining, a little gold plate or silver plate, whatever it is, on Case Keenum as a backup. There's a little extra to this backup quarterback, which I appreciate very much. But I, I'm sorry, I still see the separation between starter and backup here. I still see it because of the accuracy. Okay, it went up later in the game, but there's always those short checkdown plays because... Sometimes you're just trying to go for short yardage, and that's a lot of times what happened. Uh, he averaged 6.7 yards an attempt. That's not that bad. It's better than Deshaun Kaiser, but just about everybody's better than Deshaun Kaiser right now who didn't even turn the ball over. But, of course, inaccurate passes, and that was one of the reasons the Cleveland Browns did not win the game. And it's like you look at the score, and it's like, oh, yeah, Vikings rolled all over Cleveland, and that's if somebody didn't watch the game at all. Um, and sometimes when you're going through, you're sifting through the scores, that's the way you look at it because... You, you don't. And then once you look at kind of the game flow, and it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> and, of course, if the game was live locally, which, of course, the Vikings game was, and, and, and uh, other games in you know Chicago and the Saints and stuff like that, and Dallas right now taking the lead on Washington, damn it. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. It, it just leaves you kind of like, you know, if, if you didn't see it, you're like, oh, yeah, they rolled all over. But when you did watch it, they rolled all over Cleveland, that is. And then you do watch it and all that, and you're just like, huh, it was that bad? It was that close for that long? Yeah, it was, and that's because the NFL is what it is. Uh, Jeff Dubay on his podcast, the uh, Puffy and Lindsay show, check that out on iTunes, uh, often, 
often says how the NFL is garbage. I mean, like everybody's kind of like almost the same. You know, there's there's similar talent. Of course, the Vikings are the better team, but there's just so much junk, so much junk in the NFL. And then teams get lazy because oh, we're just playing Cleveland. You know, eh, it's just the two dollar, you know, two dollar, you know what at the end of the bar there. Yeah, let's leave that word alone, but just because <laughs> it's a semi-family-friendly show. I don't like to drop F-bombs or any of that too often on here. I'm just not interested in doing that. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what Cleveland is, and luckily, the you know, he's a, they're a slump buster if you're bad, and they're a rally renewer if you've, or, you know, keep the rally going, that type of thing. They're They're watering the harvest. That's, that's, that's growing. That's kind of what Cleveland's doing at this stage in our case. Um, and I, I don't know. And that's kind of why things went the way they did. Uh, the turnovers weren't really there until later. And we appreciated the fumble recovery uh, later on by Harris there. or Well, at the beginning of the second half anyway. That was a moment that kind of got things going in the right direction. But the third quarter was still as ugly as the first two in a lot of ways until the very, very end. Like, thank you very much. Finally, at the very end, but Cleveland. Cleveland, with only five minutes remaining in the third quarter, had a one-point lead. And it's just like, you got the feeling, okay, we'll still be okay. The Vikings defense kept Cleveland out of the end zone for the 99th time because their offense is just balls, for the most part, until we start missing tackles. Um, like the Isaiah Crowell play very early in the game. That was great. Um but no, you stop them. Zane Gonzalez makes a 23-yarder. They take a one-point lead. And then things change dramatically. You finally get a drive, a legitimate drive, and say, bleep this. Let's put an end to this nonsense. And Jarek McKinnon goes into the end zone. See, it's like just, it, it, you know, the whole thing with Anthony Harris. He got the fumble recovery to open the second half. And and, and you run, you only get through four plays and you're done. And you have to punt again. And it, Or actually, no, you kick the field goal. What am I talking about? You have to sell for a field goal. You do nothing. I mean, you're given field position in Cleveland territory, and you do nothing with that. And it's just, that's what kind of game today was. Yes, Greg Williams is on the other sideline. Luckily, I don't think anybody's hurt except for Mr. Uh, Mike Remmers with the concussion protocol. Well, hopefully he'll be back healthy, ready to roll again. But still, I mean, it's just a, you know, it's a good, de- it's an improving defense. But again, Miles Garrett's not available, uh, among others. It's just, ser- seriously, you got to take advantage. you got to roll through this team. Stop being lazy, and luckily the Vikings did stop. And uh, one other thing, I mean, the targets to Laquan Treadwell, I mean, the guy can't get open. No separation. He's always he's always got a great, you know, the de- great defender, you know, great coverage in front of him. But no, it's the lack of separation. I agree, Sebastian, and others out there that constantly bitching, well, bitching, moan. No, they're, they're not bitching and moaning. They're they're sounding the alarm that this guy cannot get any uh, separation, and that's absolutely right with Laquan Treadwell. He cannot get any separation whatsoever. A guy that can get separation, and when he doesn't, he can drop penalties, and that's Stefan Diggs. He just needs to stay the bleep healthy with his uh, groin and, and other injuries last season. Was it ankle injuries and such? It was off and on the whole damn year the guy couldn't stay healthy, and it's like you're getting worried that that's going to happen all over again this season. Um Stefan Diggs, the numbers did not indicate his value today because, again, he drew several penalties in the game. Uh, he was ultimately targeted six times officially. One of them a drop pass out of bounds, which would have been his long of the day and would have brought his yardage total much higher. Uh, he was held in the end zone, stuff like that. But luckily, again, drawing, drawing all these penalties. One later on that kind of helped do in the Browns. This was right before the McKinnon touchdown. That was the huge play. That was kind of one of the game-changing moments, and that was when Cleveland completely unraveled. I kind of felt bad for the guy in Cleveland. Number 21, J. Mark Taylor. Um, 
you know, he's he, he's a decent cornerback. He's he he deflected multiple passes today. I thought he did a good job. And then that was, you know, to be fair, to be honest, to be an objective football fan, if we could take off the purple and gold shades for a second, that's a BS call. <laughs> Jamar Taylor did not interfere with Stefan Diggs, but luckily that guy, Stefan Diggs, can draw penalties even when they're not penalties. And I don't know. I mean, that's what the great receivers are able to get away with, and we'll take it. It's just, but that was a BS call, and I fell for Jamar Taylor because immediately, it just like clockwork, back when the Vikings sucked, calls like that would go the way they did, and then the floodgates would go wide open. Like the 2013 Vikings when the defense was just, you know, it was what it was. Or just in general, the team wasn't so good this year or that year back in the day, or not not so long ago in 2013's case. And that things would unravel so dramatically after a call that, that was just a BS call, and that's exactly what happened to Cleveland. And, and I feel for Jamar Taylor. I mean, that, that had to suck. To, to, to watch things go the way they did. I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. The Vikings immediately were able to just change things dramatically. They were able to get the ball right back from Cleveland. They go from 23-16 to 16 to 30-16. to 16. And then you add a little field goal late in the game, 51-yard. That was nice. Kai Forbath was making everything again except the blocked extra point. I like Kai Forbath, and I'll take him as the Vikings kicker. Um, if he can be more consistent at the extra point, it's one thing. But again, this one was blocked, so I... Not too mad at him at this uh, situation. You're having backup uh, linemen on the on the uh, on the right side at the moment. Luckily, you still got Riley Reef. I remember he was hurt last week. Luckily, he was active all day, and thank God for that. But then on the uh, on, on the left side, you're missing Easton and you're missing Remmers. So that kind of sucks. But well, you know. Rashad Hill, he's okay. He's just okay, though. Just okay. He got a stupid shot block when the Vikings had a huge opportunity later on in the game. And it's just, like, seriously, just a dumb penalty. And that was one of the reasons the Vikings didn't break loose earlier. Because of stupid, stupid holding calls and stuff like that. And, of course, the uh, the penalty on Rashad Taylor, the shot block. And then um, Isadora, you know, you don't hear any complaints about him. And... I don't know. I think he's good. The the rookie guard, Isadora. A lot of people like him. He's, you know, I mean, he's not standing out per se, but he's not standing out in the wrong way either. He doesn't look like a turnstile out there. Rashad Hill's okay. He's adequate. He's not the best. Riley Reef has been very valuable the most of the season, and we appreciate that uh, oh so bleeping much. Oh, thank God. And then, of course, you have um, the ever-reliable uh, Joe Berger and, of course, Pat uh, Elfline at center. Yeah, you know, I don't need to go over the whole Rick and Rouster, but you get the idea. Those guys have been healthy for the most part. At least they were healthy today, thank God. Um, you haven't heard too many complaints there with injuries. <laughs> of course, again, Reef suffered a bit last week. Luckily, nice to have him back this week. The Vikings' defense didn't stand out like it did in the the past week, but Everson Griffin hit a pretty awesome milestone today. Um, the first... Uh, the first Viking, or the first player since 1982 to get a sack in uh, <laughs> eight, uh, the the first eight games uh, for for his team, and 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 that's amazing. He had eight sacks today. Everson, or he got his eighth sack today, eighth straight game with a sack. We'll say the first eight games of the season. Everson Griffin, right at the halftime point of the year. Pardon me as I stumble all over myself like a goofball here. But Everson Griffin winding up with uh, a sack in the first eight games. That's pretty awesome. And that's something that has not happened for a long time since 1982. Appreciate that very much. We'll talk about that more in the Fan Interaction segment, segment number three. Tom Johnson was able to pick up a sack today as well. I mean, there was quarterback rushes, but Kaiser was able to get rid of it just at the last second. 
And, well, I mean, it's kind of surprising the Vikings weren't able to get an interception today, but several pass deflections, including three from Trey Waynes. That was really nice to see. Uh, Eric Kendricks was everywhere all day, and I appreciate that very much. Occasional missed tackle, but generally speaking, very active throughout the entire game today. Um, more active than anyone else, I think, defensively. I mean, I just, I love Eric Kendricks, and his value is insane. Um, McKenzie Alexander, respectable again. He actually got a couple tackles today because the guy in front of him didn't make catches. But uh, it is what it is. Um, Anthony Harris got extended minutes and such extended snaps, we'll call them. Harrison Smith, spectacular throughout the game, setting helping set up a sack and a tackle for loss during the course of the game. Really appreciate what, uh, what uh, Harrison Smith was able to accomplish overall. Tonight, uh, tonight, uh, this uh, this morning, not tonight. That's for damn sure. This is the earliest, the first time ever. You know, the earliest game I've ever seen with the Vikings, and I'm uh, eight thirty a.m. Hope you guys were uh, able to uh, enjoy that. It's nice to have your afternoon back. Uh, wish my afternoon was a little more interesting, but you know, it's I don't know. It's just helping my dad with the boat there. That was uh, not on the boat, but yeah, getting getting it winterized. That's not an ideal afternoon, but it, it is what it is, and the crappy weather, and the crappy, uh, you know, there's no sun, and the, ugh, and the crappy, like, remnants of a cold that just drive you insane, like, put you in an awful mood, and, uh, yeah, that's what that was. <sighs> Case Keenum was okay, but again, continuing to show that, you know what, if Teddy Bridgewater is available and ready to go, legitimately ready to go, I want Teddy Bridgewater starting for the Minnesota Vikings even as early as week 10. I'm ready. I'm ready for Teddy Bridgewater. But, okay, if you're going to ride the horse that brought you for now, go ahead, fine. But if he has an icky game and it looks things are like things are going haywire for him, then put Teddy in. Um, but if the Vikings do put Teddy Bridgewater in there, I'm not going to be mad. And if Teddy is ready to roll and he looks great, fantastic. I would have a short leash with Teddy, yes. Because if he looks way off and off his game, why not bring Kate Skeeney back in? Because he'll probably have another... Yeoman's like effort out there. Just be spectacular like he was against uh, the Chicago Bears when he was a little ticked off getting his job taken away from him. Kind, you know, not that it necessarily was his job to begin with, but what he's got a little pride to him and uh, he saw it as his job. So he came in and said, hey, guess, guess what? I am the quarterback of this team. That's basically what he did when he was spectacular in uh, relief of uh, <laughs> the immobile, completely un-NFL-ready Sam Bradford in that Chicago game. I mean, that was something to watch. It really was. Um, Adam Thielen was awesome throughout the game today. Again, several inaccurate passes thrown his direction. Jarek McKinnon as well targeted 10 times in the game, but one up with 72 receiving yards. Adam Thielen, 98. Just some nice catches. And, of course, the Cleveland defense caught sleeping multiple occasions to Adam Thielen, including the touchdown. Again, just left wide open. I mean, the, the cornerback... The defender just kind of let him go. He thought he had safety help behind him. Whose fault was it? I don't know. I mean, he was yelling at the safety saying, get over, get on him. Basically, he was pissed off at the guy after it was too late. And that's kind of usually what happens after something like that does take place. It's more of whose fault it was and this and that rather than, I don't know, rather than um, actually making the play. It's more of like arguing about whose fault it was and not just like the fact that we gave up a touchdown necessarily. And, uh, well... We'll take it. Thank you very much, Cleveland, for leaving Adam Thielen open multiple times in this game. Uh, Case Keenum overthrowing him on multiple occasions, including Kyle Rudolph. Oh, Kyle. <laughs> he, is, he bobbles so many passes, but luckily he got in the end zone along the way as well. We appreciate that very much. Um, Jerry is right, too. That, he, was t- he was just overthrown. Terrible pass by uh, 
Terrible pass. It would have been an easy first down, and the Vikings had to punt on, on a third. Jerry's right might have had like 15 yards after that play, but an overthrow by Keenum. And it's stuff like that that just, you know, it just kind of gets me going a little bit and, and saying that I would not be disappointed at all if Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback of this team very soon, possibly against Washington coming up or against uh, whoever, you know, whoever comes up after that, Los Angeles Rams or whatever, because the Vikings do have to play the Rams very soon, and that will be quite the test, quite the test. Oh, my goodness, it'll be fun. Um, I'm starting to agree with, (laughs) I'm starting to agree with Anthony from L.A. when he called Michael Floyd a boring player, because I'm not seeing what we were seeing in the preseason, that's for sure. Um, But, well, I guess that's why they call it preseason. Sometimes you see indicators and sometimes you don't. David Morgan. That name just sounds like somebody in, in uh, Britain out there. David Morgan was uh, the recipient of his first three catches of the season. They were at very, very valuable times, very important times, including that 14-yarder, getting the Vikings a key first down along one of those scoring drives. And we appreciate what David Morgan was able to bring to the Vikings today. Jarek McKinnon was really good. Um, he was able to hang on to the ball. Really appreciated what... Jarek McKinnon did bring today. Uh, nice, nice, just just a very versatile running game from him. And, of course, um, overall, bringing the total yardage. He had um, 100 and, 122 total yards, of course, 50 yards rushing, 72 receiving along the way. And he could have been the recipient of some more. But, of course, again, McKinnon missed him four times in today's game. And not every one of them was a good situation necessarily. But still, why are you throwing to a guy that's double teamed? I mean, still, seriously, some of those passes were just not necessary, and that's what bugs me about Keenum on occasion, but oh well. We got the job done, bottom line, and I'm rambling a little too much. Fran Tarkenton Award for this game? Uh, you know, it could go all over the place, I think. Offensively, at the very least, I gotta give it to Jarek McKinnon. I mean, he was kind of everywhere, and of course, Adam Thielen was awesome. He was catching the passes thrown his way and everything, and he made some nice catches uh, in coverage and all that, but some of them were wide open, and I don't know. I mean, it's not his fault, but, you know, at least he made the catches. But I think uh, McKinnon was just huge down the stretch, and I really appreciated what he brought. And, yeah, I mean, defensively, geez, uh, you know, I mean, of course, Eric Hendricks, I think his value just absolutely off the charts. Yes, he'll, he'll miss tackles on occasion, but generally speaking, he is on the spot, and he's able to make those big plays. Uh, Xavier Rose even got burned today, which is kind of hard to believe. He was kind of falling over, burned on a long play, which is a little frustrating. But I don't know. I mean, nobody's perfect. Xavier Rose did not have his best game today. That's just, he, he didn't have his best game, but he's still the best cornerback in the NFC North. I got to tell you that, without a doubt. <sighs> <laughs> I believe it was Ricardo Lewis. I can't remember if it was Crowell, Crowell or Lewis, but it was like, oh, it was way down the field, and it was just, mm, it was a bummer. And I was, I was putting Cleveland in much better field position at the time. But I don't know, things happen. You're not going to be perfect. He's not going to get the uh, Christian Potter Memorial. I'm going to kind of give it to, I don't know. It's just kind of like the whole energy of the team. It's like, I don't re- I'm not really mad at anybody today. Nobody got, like, fried all day today, and nobody was fumbling the ball away. And Kai Forbath, he got better. Or Kai Forbath, pardon me. Case Keenum got better during the course of the game. He got stronger. It's funny. You look at his numbers, and it's, like, on paper. Like, oh, he, he's okay. But I don't know. He was kind of ugly. It's like it's like it's almost like he gets an extremely weak, an extremely soft Christian Ponder memorial. But I'm going to just give it to the energy of the team, kind of the first three quarters of the game. That was stupid. Just stupid. Come on. So that's where I'm going with that. That's it. We will take a quick pause here. 
I'm gonna yeah, get 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 a little bit of uh, liquids in me to kind of clear up this throat here again, and we'll come back for segment number two and do a little roundup for the NFC North. Talk about a couple of the weird games in the NFL once again, because there's always some weird stuff, which is why Jeff Dubay calls it a garbage league of late. And of course, we will preview next week's show. And we are back here on Purple Mafia. Segment number two, time to do some rounding up. NFC North, NFL, of course, we'll look at the NFL first, round up the NFC North. Green Bay Packers on the bye this week. Detroit and Chicago were playing. The other teams on the bye this particular week were the oft-injured and Adrian Peterson uh, uh, making his uh, one-year stop here with the Arizona Cardinals. Jacksonville Jaguars, Los Angeles Rams, two of the more exciting uh, resurgent teams there. New York Giants and Tennessee Titans also on the bye. So six teams on the bye next week. By the way, I'll just make this right now. By the way, pun not intended. Chicago, Cleveland, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Minnesota Vikings, the New England Patriots, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, possibly one of the two teams will play in the Super Bowl coming up here in the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, if things continue to head in a positive direction anyway, that's a, it's a possibility. But we, we'll get there when we get there, I suppose. <laughs> Let's start rounding up things here. Pittsburgh and Detroit will be playing tonight. They're just getting started at this moment. So maybe a little mild updates here and there into the third segment and such. Pittsburgh, Detroit. So, yeah, I mean, just got to get this show going. The show must go on. Pittsburgh and Detroit will be playing tonight. Detroit is 3-3. Three and three. So at this stage, a game and a half behind the Vikings. They win, though. Well, there you go. 4-3 and three. there. They are two games behind, actually. Two games behind the Vikings at that point. Um, but, of course, the bye week is what will kind of even things out a little bit. So we'll just let that kind of catch up as is. Detroit's got some serious catching up to do. Only six games played before this game. So Denver and Kansas City also Monday night football. So we'll let that kind of catch up as is as well. As you get curious what the playoff picture would be at this moment. Now, of course, Pittsburgh... And Kansas City have not played yet. So, yeah, like we just mentioned, Pittsburgh's 5-2. and two. They'd be the second by New England 6-2. and two. They are number one in the AFC. Big shocker there. Kansas City would be hosting a wild card game against Jacksonville. And Buffalo would be on the road in Tennessee at the moment. Miami and Baltimore are still very much in the in the hunt. That's weird. Um, Oakland, yeah, we'll talk about them in a minute here. Let's just get on. They're 3-5, and five, though. They continue to suck. Yeah, we're talking about them. Right now, well, no, let's start with Baltimore-Miami. Let's just, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's really anything more to say. Uh, Miami is the urban legend. They're weird. They're weird. I mean, they look so good, and then they suck so hard, and then it's been back and forth, and they're good again. And then a team that looked pretty hapless against the Vikings last week, even though we kind of screwed around a little bit. And ba- the Baltimore defense was okay, but, wow, Miami sucks. And it's kind of sad. Now, of course, no Jay Cutler, but Matt Moore is better than that. I mean, yeah, but, well... Not so much in this game. Didn't really do anything for Miami. Flacco with concussion protocol was much more sharp, but limited action. Ryan Mallett got a little bit of action out there, threw one touchdown pass, and eh, and kind of stunk other than that. Um, whatever. Uh, it's mostly Alex Collins leading the way on the ground there for Baltimore. Other than that, though, Baltimore defense taking care of business. And, of course, Jeremy Macklin being back helped. Benjamin Watson also catching a touchdown in the game. 
but um, yeah, Baltimore's defense doing what they doing what they can, and uh, that's pretty much <laughs> pretty much all she wrote in this one. You had a pick six by Jimmy Smith, among others, uh, among other turnovers and such force in the game. And Miami just I don't know they just don't. <laughs> They just don't count at this point. We'll just move on, and it's kind of sad to see. Buffalo over Oakland. I don't know if Oakland counts. Um, again, probably the worst Super Bowl pick I've ever done, maybe than San Francisco years ago um, when they just kind of took the gas pipe. That, yeah, yeah, the year that uh, ended up being Jim Harbaugh's final season in San Francisco. That was a gas pipe season for the 49ers. Buffalo just romping all over Oakland. Wow, 34-14. to 14. Oakland's 3-5. and five. Buffalo is... Right there, they're in the playoffs. Obviously, like mentioned, they'd have to go on the road with a 5-2 and two record. That kind of sucks. They had their bye recently. Oakland actually led early in the game. Buffalo kind of did what they did after that, and that's pretty much all she wrote. I mean, psh, let's just move on. Buffalo's got a good, solid defense, and Oakland is finished. They're just done. Um, Cincinnati and Indianapolis, 24-23. to 23. Cincinnati over the Colts. Oh, goody. I don't know, two coaches that probably shouldn't be coaching after this season. That's about all I'm going to say about that. Let's just move on. You know, I don't want to spend so much time on some of these junk games. Los Angeles, New England. Well, the Chargers just continue to look better, look more solid. They continue to have a hell of a time drawing fans. But, of course, this one is in Gillette Stadium. Last week was foggy as hell there. New England, you know, I mean, it's like they don't look good. They don't really look that good, but they're back to. I mean, but they're winning football games. Bottom line, kind of like the Vikings right now, six and two. They're just getting the job done, and that's about all she wrote. Uh, they're kicking field goals. They even got a safety in the game. Brady was, well, he was he was Brady for the most part. He got a lot of yards, attempted a ton of passes, very accurate. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> Philip Rivers unable to complete. A scoring play really late in the game. Just could not finish the job, and that's too bad. And it's not his fault. It just is what it is. Um, New England's defense was solid. And, I don't know, Chargers couldn't finish the job. Melvin Gordon led the way with 132 yards on the ground, including an 87-yard scamper. And that's pretty much what caught the Chargers rolling there. They almost had it, but, well, oh well. I'd, I'd rather see the Patriots win, I guess. But a lot of you probably hate me for saying that. Atlanta team has definitely dropped off the face of the earth for the most part the last few weeks. They got another win today in New York, so good for them. New York is in the Jets, not the Giants. The Giants are on the bye week. Atlanta struggling <laughs> third place in the division of the NFC South. They would not be in the playoffs today. Uh, Carolina, it's like another one. You just kind of roll your eyes when we talk about them, but Atlanta... They don't look so good at all. I mean, Matt Ryan had two fumbles. He still was, you know, in the game. He was he, he was solid. Uh, didn't attempt that many passes. Trevor uh, Tevin Coleman was was decent on the ground, but mostly due to a 52-yard scamper. Uh, it was kind of like a good Jets defense against a good Atlanta offense, and the Jets defense was good enough for a while to keep them in the game. And well, bad offense versus bad defense when it comes to Atlanta. And New York, so I don't know. It's just more junk football as far as I'm concerned. A very junky team against a very good team, or at least a team that took advantage of a junky team. Philadelphia, 33-10 to over San Francisco. That's about all she wrote. <laughs> Raymond Freeman, that's my buddy at work there. 7-1, and 7-1 and one and having fun. Philadelphia, number one with a bullet in the NFC. We'll look at that playoff picture here in a moment as we, could, as we wrap up the NFC North. There will be no Green Bay, and of course, Detroit hasn't even played yet. Doggone it. But they better get going here pretty soon. Carson Wentz, I mean, you know, not not the, not his best game. Um, but again, I think it's 
I think it's crappy team syndrome. You know, you're playing that really weak neighbor or whatever, that little kid. You know, you're not going to play at your best level. You're, you're going to let the little kid win a little bit here and there and then eventually finish them off. And that's kind of what San Francisco versus Philadelphia was. Uh, kind of like that Beth uh <laughs> B third, if I can, if I'm saying it right, he he can scamper a little bit, which is good for him. But I suppose he he had to scamper quite a bit because there's just nothing else going on. Philadelphia's got an improving defense. It wasn't the best just a few years ago, but it's certainly stepping up. Well, Garrett Blunt just continues to be good, uh, along with Corey Clemente, the younger guy. Corey Clement, pardon me, keeping things going there for the Philadelphia offense. So just you know, they just took advantage of a crappy team there, and good for them. <laughs> San Francisco and Cleveland. Still vying for the number one pick in the NFL draft. And, well, somebody's going to get it. <laughs> Carolina, Tampa Bay. Uh-oh. Tampa Bay, I, I, again, you know, again, they lost again. And at home, they only scored three points with supposedly a great offense against a Carolina team that just, I don't know, they stink, kind of. You know, they, they kind of stink, but they're kind of back in the playoff picture, I guess. You know, another one. Another urban legend, Carolina. And, of course, Cam Newton. Just weird, man. I mean, you know. He's like, I, I don't know. Um, I don't want to compare him to anybody. He'll just drive people crazy. And I don't know. He just, I don't know. He's kind of like a Jay Cutler almost in, in his, with his inconsistency. He's just all over the place. And, of course, he at least threw one interception. He wasn't good at all in the game. I mean, really, 56% inaccurate. Just meh. And, and, and this isn't a very good Tampa defense. I mean, Case Keenum looked like Joe Montana in his prime against this Tampa defense. I mean, yuck. And Jameis Winston... What happened to you, buddy? I thought you were a rising star in this league. I mean, this is number one pick versus number one pick. This, lo- I mean, Case Keenum had better numbers than these guys, and Cleveland's probably a better got a better defense than the Tampa Bay Bucks at this point. And Carolina used to have a good defense. I mean, is it this good? I don't think so. I think Jameis Winston just is not in his game at all right now. <sighs> Whatever, yuck, yuck. I mean, Tampa Bay again. I had them winning the NFC. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they've lost five games. You can still come back from that. We've seen it. We've seen an 0-4 Chargers team finish 11-5. and Of course, they lost in the first round, though, but that's another story. That was way back in the day, back in 92. Ugh, Seattle versus Houston. Oh, God, I hate the freaking Seahawks. Mm. Oh, I hate you so much, Seattle. Mm. Houston without J.J. Watt. They can sure score points, but their defense is just not that good. And Seattle took advantage of it in uh, Century Field Park, and they finished the freaking game. Man, I wanted to see Houston beat them. I hate, hate Seattle. He, Seattle Seahawks finished the job. Oh, I can't stand them. Game-winning touchdown with just 21 seconds remaining. Deshaun Watson continuing to look like a top pick, but three interceptions in the game, kind of like Aaron Rodgers in the NFC title game a few years ago when the Packers looked oh so good, and then all of a sudden the turnover started flaring and Russell Wilson... Looking like that guy again. I mean, he wasn't the most accurate quarterback today, but four touchdowns still. And it's it just, uh, I can't stand Seattle. And they were able to tough this one out like they tend to do. And that's the one team I think, you know, that a lot of us, I won't say we're forgetting them, but we want to forget them. We want to think that they're not a part of this NFC threat, you know, going to the Super Bowl. They're in the they're in the way. They are absolutely in the way of the Vikings' plan to get to the Super Bowl, and they're going to have to. Minnesota is going to have to beat Seattle. Minnesota or Philadelphia will have to beat Seattle. We can't just say it's Minnesota Philadelphia, basically, and and then and, the, and then everyone is is has got daylight second. I I don't know about that. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, what a game for him today with Deshaun Watson. That's a nice combination. Two hundred and twenty-four yards in the air for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, insane. Uh, a beautiful game for him. 
Ooh, I hate Seattle. Ugh, I don't know. I think you got my point, though, with that one. Blair Walsh made the two field goals he attempted, and he made all of his extra points. Oh, we're so happy for you, Blair Walsh. Mm. Just wait till the playoffs, though. Just wait till the playoffs. It's coming. It's coming. Blair Walsh is going to screw over the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs, and I can't wait for that. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. We, we we all know, right? <laughs> so who's next? Is anybody next? You know, it's kind of tough when you get a white screen of emptiness, the the, the void, as we like to call it. Uh, you know, and then you have the, the ads popping up, blocking your way. That's kind of the theme right now. Dallas and Washington, that game just finished up here. 33 to 19. Washington was in it the whole time. They had a big they had their, their golden opportunity. Tip pass intercepted along the way. Dallas Cowboys end up finishing the job and they're back in the playoff picture. Both teams were definitely trying to get back in the playoff picture, but now ultimately it's the Dallas Cowboys and that stinks and whatever. <laughs> it just kind of is what it is. Let's look at the NFC. Of course, Philadelphia number 1, 7 and 1, best record in football right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Raymond's Philadelphia Eagles there. Number 2 with the bye, Minnesota. That's right. First round bye, and they would play the winner of Seattle. Or, yeah, if Seattle won, or if the uh, the Rams or New Orleans. Boy, I don't know. I don't like playing any one of those three right now. That won't, that wouldn't be easy. Uh, Seattle, obviously, now they're 5-2. and two. New Orleans is 5-2. and two. New Orleans. You know the team the Vikings rolled all over, and they look like garbage the first two games of the year? Ooh, the Saints are back, and the Rams are 5-2. and two. Mm. Rams are off. The Saints, yeah, man. Carolina's five and three. They they would be number six playing the Seattle Seahawks right now, and I gotta think Seattle would probably win that game. And you know who'd be coming to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium? That would be the Seattle Seahawks in that scenario. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I hope the Vikings could beat them. I think they can, but I don't know. Um, that cold air really was helpful last time around in Minnesota and Seattle were. Uh, playing in a playoff game. That was nice. Chicago and, and the New Orleans Saints. Well, I don't know. I think the Saints are just kind of like, it didn't even look like the Saints were trying in a sense of like, they weren't that worried. It's not even like they're lazy. They're just kind of not that worried about it. But they led the whole game. Woohoo. 20 to 12. The Chicago Bears, who are improved, they're noticeably improved and good for them. They're three and five. They're still kind of sort of in the hunt, so to speak. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. Mitchell Trubisky, can hardly compete or complete a pass out there for the most part. Um, and they are having him hurl the ball about, you know, 30-plus times a game. And I, I don't know. I mean, Jordan Howard was still able to get 100 yards on the ground, but when you're behind, you're behind. You can only rush so often. Trubisky sure has got that mobility. He even scampered for 46 yards in the game. That's pretty impressive. Uh, gotta like it, but again, I mean, you just hope there's no risk of injury for the poor guy because... Every time you see this mobile player, then some bullcrap happens, and they're not the same. But we'll see. Mitch Trubisky just getting started there in Chicago, and he, he looks like a guy who's probably in over his head, and I would say he is. Uh, Drew Bees didn't even throw a touchdown pass in the game, but he still completed 82%. Just solid the whole game. Uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, very solid in the game as well, scampering to the end zone multiple times. But Ingram went Adrian Peterson on it and fumbled twice. Fumbled the ball twice for loss in the game. Washington Redskins, the team that just got beat by the Cowboys. So shame on me for even talking about it, but that's pretty much what we saw. Kirk Cousins, the next quarterback for the Vikings, according to some people, and that depends on if Teddy Bridgewater is the Vikings quarterback against the Washington Redskins or maybe the Rams or something after that, depending on how 
things shape up. Because the Rams would be next in U.S. Bank Stadium. Washington Redskins will be in the nation capital. Go Trump, right? <laughs> well, we'll be visiting where Donald Trump resides at the moment. He's not in New York at the moment. Well, but then again, I'm sure he goes there more often than, the, than an average president. <sighs> you know, the Redskins, they're, they're always kind of lurking. But, mm, I don't know, they're only three and four now. Every year they kind of lurk, they kind of come back, they get better. Let's just hope the Vikings don't run into an improving Washington team. <sighs> Man, the, the Redskins, it seems like the only time the Vikings beat the Redskins is like the very end of the season, when it's in Washington. In the playoffs, the Vikings never beat the Washington Redskins. Um, and I mean, it's like the end of the year, that type of thing. When it's like the middle of the year, the Vikings always lose to the Washington Redskins. And I remember, I remember last year, that close game, and the Vikings just could not finish the job, and there was a turnover at the end. And, of course, uh, I believe this is the one where, yes, it was, where Long, Jake Long, tore his uh, Achilles tendon. And, of course, the Philadelphia game was his debut. You put him out there, and he's not ready to play. He wasn't in, you know, he, he wasn't uh, used to the plays and in football shape, and guys are going right past him in the Philly game. That was just stupid with... Uh, Norv Turner and such, and I think there was some arguing in the background, and again, that's what led to Norv Turner saying, bleep this, I'm out of here, um, all that, and of course, the play is taking too long to develop, and the offensive line not giving Sam Bradford five seconds, I mean, five seconds, I mean, point five seconds, pardon me, uh, that's why you bring in Shermer, or put Shermer in his role anyway, back as the offensive coordinator rather than just a quarterback's coach, and then you saw the ball just uh, going all over the place much quicker. Unfortunately, that was too little too late. The Vikings were pretty much toast at that point. Little did we know that how negative things would head. Uh, Sturmer was actually the tight ends coach. I'm going crazy. That was uh, Scott Turner, Norv Turner's son, who were <laughs> still hanging around. Um, Washington Redskins, though. I mean, I like Kirk Cousins. Do I see him as this franchise quarterback? Eh. Um, this team is kind of all over the place. Uh, Jamison Crowder is one of the more talented guys. I've Always liked him as a player. Gosh, just another huge game against Dallas. A questionable defense in Dallas, but still 123 yards. That's definitely a big threat there. And you're going to be seeing the Xavier Rhodes, the Xavier Rhodes against Jamison Crowder. He's really made a name of himself over the years. Vernon Davis getting ancient, but well, okay. Just, uh, you know, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, whoever is going to be matched up against him at times. Uh, Jordan Reed's been valuable at times, but certainly not at the moment. He's number 86, like a former Reed with Minnesota years ago. Chris Thompson, the number two receiver, 76 yards today. He's uh, It's a talented offense, there's no doubt. Their defense is kind of hit and miss. I mean, you know, you, they occasionally on the right day, they just magically make the big play when they need to. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan is definitely a name. He had two, uh, two sacks on today's game, and he's definitely been around for a few years, he was a top pick years ago with the Redskins, and he's he, he's made a name. He's definitely been a, a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous linebacker over the years. He's had some better seasons than this one. I would have to say he had 11 sacks last year, 13 and a half a couple of years ago in 2014. Always been a part of things though with the with the uh, the Redskins. Of course, being a linebacker, when you get double digit sacks as a linebacker, you're obviously a pretty damn good pass rusher, pretty special because you think of more defensive ends doing that. Uh, you know, it's the kind of defense where they give up points, they give up yards, but a, a couple of good names, kind of like Green Bay, but better. I, I would say they're similar in that sense, where there's a few really good players that make big plays at big moments, and they keep you in the game or whatever it is. Maybe they finish off the game at the right time, right place. 
And that's kind of what Washington is, like a better-than-Green-Bay type of defense with similarities where they, they're good at pass-rushing the quarterback, you know, like a claymaker and such. That's right, compare uh, Kerrigan, I, I suppose, in a sense. Kerrigan, younger, lucky lucky for him. <laughs> um, but, but a veteran in his prime at this stage, like a young veteran who's in his prime. Um, can the Vikings beat the Redskins? I mean, yes, absolutely. Are they better than the Redskins? Well, yeah. Right now, I would say the Vikings are better than the Redskins. The good thing this time around, I think the Vikings defense is more on their game than they were when they played the Redskins last year. I mean, it seemed like the whole team was just reeling, kind of losing their confidence last year. And the Vikings still had that game. I mean, just one freaking play away. And, of course, it was overthrown pass because you just, just the coverage was just right place, right time. And nobody was open when you needed them to be. So Bradford had no choice but to throw it pretty much out of reach, out of the uh, of Stefan Diggs, I believe it was at the time. And that was kind of all she wrote. Uh, Stefan Diggs is going to be a huge key again. I mean, he keeps drawing those penalties. Maybe he actually can make a big play and not have to just draw penalties, be a decoy the whole game. <laughs> Um, Ezekiel Elliott kind of had his way with this Washington defense, and you hope that the Vikings running game can do the same. Uh, I have confidence with the Vikings running game against the Washington defense, I think. I mean, it's another one of those. The Vikings tried to do it today, and it didn't seem to work until Case Keenum started to kind of until Case Keenum just kind of started to regain his quote-unquote mojo. That's when the Vikings offense started to come around. And, of course, eventually you wear out that defense with the running game. And then and then, and then the running backs start to get through a little bit. And then other plays like to, to uh, Kyle Rudolph start to develop a bit. And then you just start to move the chains a tiny bit. And then all of a sudden you break loose and finally get something going with Jarek McKinnon or, of course, Adam Thielen, whatever it is. You know, Jarek McKinnon with a screen pass or whatever it is. McKinnon's just going to be a huge key, of course, with the screen passes more than on the running game. And, of course, you're going to want to pound away with with Latavius Murray. You kind of start off with him. I mean, he should be the starting running back. Not in terms of he needs to be, he's like the better player, but you're going to start out with him again. I mean, you want to establish the run against a team that's, well, it's not like Ezekiel Elliott dominated the Washington defense. It's just the fact that he was consistent the whole game. I mean, he wound up with 150 yards, 4.5 a carry, you know, off 33 rushes. That's a lot of rushes. But the Cowboys kind of had their way, and they kept moving the chains with them with Ezekiel Elliott. And that's kind of what I'm saying, is you have the physical running back in Latavius Murray. You do kind of want to pound away with the Washington Redskins in this one. Um, You know, I mean, Elliott, he just, he had that kind of game. Yes, he, he lost the ball at one point. Hopefully, you're not going to get that from uh, Jarek McKinnon. Latavius Murray seems to be pretty good at protecting the ball, knock on wood. Obviously, you know, protecting the football. That's NFL 101. Protect the football, protect the quarterback, and hopefully and pray to God you get some turnovers. And Kirk Cousins is not perfect. He's not a franchise quarterback. The offensive line in Washington, it's hit and miss, kind of like their defense. You hope and pray to God you can get through. Um... It's a very winnable game for the Vikings, but for some doggone reason, they almost never win in Redskin land, unless it's like a meaningless game in December or whatever when your team is completely out of it, and then you screw up your draft position. That type of thing during the Leslie Frazier, uh, <laughs> during 2010 when Leslie Frazier took over and Joe Webb was the bleeping quarterback. Gee, that was a meaningful win. And of course, Adrian Peterson ripped up his ACL. That was in 2011, I believe. Nope. That was in 2011. That was not 2010. Pardon me. Uh, but still, yeah, the Vikings messed up a little bit of draft position in that one. 
<laughs> well, but I mean, I suppose it's better we didn't wind up with RG3 in that case. So whatever, because <laughs> RG3 did not pan out as a quarterback. Uh, too, too great. Just establish the run. Let's just keep it simple here. I'm kind of rambling at this point, but you got to want to establish the run and just, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the Washington defense, they always, they're always hawkish. They're always looking for those turnovers. They've just always been that way, and, and, and that's who they are. Uh, I try to establish the run. I, I would like to beat them on the ground early and often, and pray to God you can stop them in the air. I mean, that's kind of the key here. Of course, Xavier Rhodes is the top uh, cornerback, at least in the NFC North, if not the NFC at this point. Jamison Crowder and Xavier Rhodes. I mean, that matchup, Xavier Rhodes needs to win that matchup, and he put uh, Jamison Crowder in his place, and that's pretty much going to be a huge key. You get a you get an interception or two off of Kirk Cousins, and the game's over for me. I got to think, barring Case Keenum going eight bleep and throwing some stupid passes, that's again why you got to again establish the run and pray to God that they hang on to the bleeping ball. So, in good faith with the momentum of the Vikings and the lack of momentum for the Washington Redskins, I will pick a victory. I will pick the Vikings to go seven and two. Now, of course, it's a bye week next week. It's the coming week that the Vikings will play the Washington Redskins. So, but at this point, I'm going to pick something of the likes. 27 to 23 Minnesota over the Washington Redskins in the nation's capital. 27-23, a fairly close game. The Vikings will score late in the game. Washington will kind of threat, and the Vikings defense will save the day at the end. They'll knock, knock, knock away a pass, something like that. And you're going to see probably a lot of flags on the ground, you know, pass interference, probably on both sides, unfortunately, in the game. But the Vikings will outlast the Cow- uh, the Cowboys, the Redskins, with uh, a lot of help from Latavius Murray and, of course, Jarek McKinnon. I think uh, Murray will get in the end zone again. And, of course, he will have, I don't know about a 100-yard game, but I could would not be surprised to see something of the likes of 70, 80 yards on the ground from Latavius Murray and... 50, 60 yards receiving from Jerick McKinnon on, on those quick screen passes. Uh, because, I don't know, I mean, the offensive line is getting a little bit more questionable, so again, you're going to hope to get rid of the ball as quick as possible and establish some type of a, a short game against the Redskins, at least for starters. And if there's big plays to be made down the field, so be it. Go for it, baby. But I think they're a little tougher to make at times. You didn't see the Cowboys do that a whole lot in this game. You really didn't. So, I mean, Des Bryant reduced to 39 yards, and he led the Cowboys. So, trust me. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> the Redskins' de- uh, pass defense is better than the run defense. So, yes. Let's uh, move on here very quickly into fan interaction. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, ready to rock and roll with some fan interaction. I don't think I got anything from Mad Martin, as I did check immediately just now, and yep, still nothing at the moment. So maybe he meant for next week, but yeah, as we'll hear in the tweets here, we start off with the at Purple Mafia show, at Purple Mafia show, the Twitter account for this show. Do give it a follow if you could. Vince Germano out of Australia and Tanae Brown out of New Zealand, kind enough to retweet the show. And again, Tanae, local here this week. Very cool. Came to check out the uh, Wolves home opener and kind of hung out as well uh, for a while. Really cool. Nice to <laughs> nice to know he was in town and uh, I hope you enjoyed yourself. The weather kind of up and down a bit at times. 
Now, it wasn't this week, it was last week, but still, just a, a great guy. I love Tanae as he headed west, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, St. Walker, that is. Anthony Carlson retweeting, uh, or sent out a story talking about that uh, that the Browns at the time had, had, had named uh, Deshaun Kaiser as the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns coming in. And yeah, it's like there was a kind of a back and forth of who was actually going to start for the Cleveland Browns. I was saying at least now we know who the quarterback will be. So yep, yeah, and, and thank you, uh, and Anthony Carlson. That is uh, greatly appreciated. Love to hear from you out of the uh, Pennsylvania area there in the military. Uh, Dave Hickey again retweeted it. Dave Hickey out of Iowa. We'll hear from him on the Facebook page as well very shortly. Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. And he was in the house today. Very cool. Um, he says, so I get a flight from Glasgow and the two guys sitting behind are from Minneapolis and are going to the game. Odds of that? Question mark. Yeah, pretty cool. That was good timing and uh, very nice. That is crazy odds, actually, uh, Mad Martin. And, and yes, the Vikings did win the game, luckily. At the end of the day, he was saying, beat Browns. Uh, Mad Martin tweeted, I see no Browns fans yet, so no drinks yet. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, Mad Martin. That's funny. I don't think he actually tweeted that one to me, but he just tweeted it in general. It is pretty funny, cause, and, it's, and it is related, so that's good. Lisa, Vikes Princess, was saying that's exactly what I've been saying, and it was related to, because I had been waiting a little while to hear from Mad Martin, because he was actually at the game, so the odds of him tweeting a little tougher when you're actually live at the game, because, well, you know what, it's better that you're not just sitting there on your phone the whole time and actually enjoying an event, you know, because, I, you know, it's not like Mad Martin has football in his backyard every day so it is what it is uh, particularly his club yeah if he wants to go see another team well i, I don't know and I, and I don't think he does that much that's what i've noticed uh so he says great start i mean i was saying great start i see welcome to the trap game guys and that's yeah it was really frustrating when you're in a trap game and lisa the vikes princess was agreeing with me there mad martin tweeted out the picture he says happy to see another victory east of the pond and yep nice to see that picture there retweet and i retweeted that for sure and I still sound a bit disoriented. I remember last week I was disoriented because I was tired. This week it's kind of both, but it's more of just still not fully recovered. Kind of been in and out of uh, kind of sickness this week. And that's why I didn't. Rec- that's partially why I didn't record Purple Mafia Brave the Wild this week. Also a bit busy on Friday morning and Saturday I was out of town. So kind of tough recording those two podcasts this week. Hopefully next weekend we'll get something in or during the week depending on how things go. Um, so we continue. Pro Mafia, though, I think I'll be able to tough this out, you know, not, uh, with the uh, tougher schedule coming up. I think I'll still be able to get these done in Sunday nights. That would be great. Mad Barn says, yes, sorry to say, my purple brother, I've been crazy busy these past few weeks, and that's not an understatement. Plenty to say after last week's podcast. Send you some audio this week. Yep, so you meant during the week. And, yeah, very, very much appreciated. I can't wait to hear from Mad Barn's Mad Takes live in the audio again. That'll be awesome. Um, he says, at calf time, I was thinking we are going to find a way to lose this, but a solid performance from the O in the second half and 6-2 and two at the bye. And absolutely. Tanae Brown loved that one too. He actually also retweeted the uh, picture, as did uh, Dallas Deitzenbach. Very cool. So, very nice. And yeah, you know, you gotta love Mad Martin. There he was in England at the game. Out of, uh, he, he flew down from Northern Scotland. He says, great turnout of the pur- uh, for the purple. Could have been 10,000 plus of us. And yeah, that's possible, huh? Very possible. Some from here, maybe from other, maybe from that area that were Viking fans like you there. It's quite possible. Mad Martin, a couple more here. 
He says, yup, our expectations have risen. Let's hope for once they go beyond our expectations. So I want to be in Minneapolis for my birthday, February the 5th. That's amazing. Yep, that's my mom's birthday too. So kind of cool there. Um, I was saying how... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was saying how it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, he was saying no trap today. The, the back eight will be fun, and I, I hope the back eight will be. That was that UK Minnesota Vikings. I actually didn't see them tweet me back. I'm sorry. So I got to give you a shout out there, UK Vikes fans. I'm going to give them a follow. They're following me, and I didn't follow back. So I don't remember. Man, it must have, maybe it just happened, and there I am following you back now, UK Minnesota Vikings. So... <laughs> very, very true, and uh, I hope that indeed the back eight will be good. And I was saying, I, I was saying, yeah, it's high time those expectations were met once and for all. It's time to end the drought, and there they are. There's UK Viking fans saying, "Don't want much for your birthday, just a Minnesota Viking Super Bowl." Amen to that. Mad Martin Yep says a big one here. After 42 years, I'm not. Asking for much skull to a Super Bowl. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, indeed, that's exactly what does happen. Yeah, that's absolutely true. He's not asking much at all, really. So now we head over to the Facebook page. It is facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. But first, I'll say MN Vikings fans. MN Vikings fans do join that Facebook page. Trevor Wickerin is the founder of that page on Facebook. Kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia, as I will always, and I mean always, shout out to that Facebook page for all kinds of uh, in-game conversation, post-game conversation, uh, news during the week, during the off-season, whatever it is, free agency, trades, uh, just rumors, whatever it is, uh, trades and rumors of trades, of course, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and rumors of Teddy Bridgewater, all that good stuff. As I do believe Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback at some point this season. By the end of this season, Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback. Yes, yes, John F. Kennedy with that statement there. By the end of this season, Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback. Yep, at least at some point, yeah. I mean, I truly believe that as we continue to bounce and bounce and bounce. What happened to the game one? That's kind of weird. Okay, that's just the Ravens there. Anderson Dejo was suspended one game for the Wallace hit. And, yep, he was not available today. That's why you say Anthony Harris, and he had a forced fumble. So, very cool. Mark Carlson said, I did not see the play that resulted in the penalty. Obviously, the officials felt it worthy of a 15-yard penalty. But a one-game suspension? How about just getting the officials to recognize and flag the other 100 things they missed in a game? And and the league put away unused suspensions policy. The, the uh, It's overused suspension policy. When have you ever seen so many cases of player suspensions? Hell, in some cases, players are doomed to miss games over simple allegations, legal issues, or possibly deflating the ball. I say first investigate, then reinvestigate, apply the League of Justice only in extreme cases. Skull, Mark from Iowa. Yeah, it is kind of overdoing it. It really is, and I, I agree with that. Um, I, You know... A lot of athletes do stuff like that, like the deflating the ball, whatever. Even Shaquille O'Neal admitted it. And f- four games is a huge suspension in the NFL. In the NBA, it's not that big a deal. It's just a tiny portion. It's not good. You don't want to be suspended. But four games in the NFL, I mean, sheesh, that is, what, a quarter of the season? I mean, that's huge. So, And the Patriots kind of made up for that anyway. So luckily they were able to size up that thumb ring there. But I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Sebastian says, what horse shit? 
And he also wraps up this little uh, thread here saying, if this game wasn't against Cleveland in London, I'd be pissed. And yeah, luckily the Vikings were able to survive against a not a very good uh, offense, but geez, that shovel pass very early after the Case Keenum interception. The tackling there was pretty, pretty crappy indeed. Uh, Kai Parvath was named Special Teams Player of the Week after making six field goals, and he looked damn good again today other than the blocked uh, extra point. Gerald Sring out of Nebraska says, just got to watch out for those pesky extra points. They can come from nowhere and bite you right in the old rear, and that's for sure. Mark Carlson says, I have to admit, I am softening, softening up a bit, but I am still not sold yet. I guess it's time for me with kickers. I guess it's it's kind of a thing for me with pay, uh, with with kickers. I am not buying until next year or maybe this year if the game is on the line and all the weight in the world is on and the kick is good. And I'm I'm hoping it is. That's kind of like Ryan Longwell, always very clutch down the stretch. That would be greatly appreciated. The in-game thread kind of screw around a little bit. Really like the. Uh, Inclusion today, really awesome. Cedric Paulding, Brett McCarthy, Josh Marion Henry, all of you are star candidates for the ongoing major conversation today. Really appreciate you, Josh Marion Henry, awesome, out of Colorado. Cedric Paulding, out of Mississippi. Brent Jacobson, also out of Lakeville, Minnesota, and a Purple Mafia legend from way, way back in the day. Still, still going strong. And boy, I missed him a lot. And great to hear from you again, buddy. Hope you can call in again at some point, too. You're always welcome to do so. Just uh, try to do it within a good amount of time within the game or, or something. Uh, but then again, I mean, if it's during the week, kind of like game, it's it's not too bad. It, it doesn't matter. But, I mean, if you specifically want it on that show, probably call within three hours of the of the end of the game, just, just in case so it gets through and, and to me and all that good stuff. So... Because, uh, you know, just sometimes, I, I mean, the, the call needs to be forwarded on to me. Or you can do the uh, audio submission route as well. We'll talk about how we do that in a short bit there. For those of you that are new, I'm sure Brent has heard that many times in the past. Because then that one goes directly to me. Yep, the Browns are falling apart. Brett McCarthy was saying, Josh Mayer Henry was saying, starting to get you're starting to get rolling now. It's a bit late, but looking good. They need to get it together soon in games, uh, sooner in games if they want to go far this season. And that was a big problem last week too with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Cedric Paulding was saying, "Come on, Vikes, play ball. It's time for the Purple Rain defense to show up." Paging Everson Griffin, Everson, oh Emerson, oh that's a tight, it's a probably a uh, uh, maybe a voice uh, text or something. Everson Griffin, not Emerson. <laughs> it, it just came out funny. And Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter again. You're just not seeing, you're not seeing that same explosion you saw last year, and even in his rookie year too. I mean, his rookie year he had eight sacks, right? And last year he was just unbelievable. This year, not so much. Brent Jacobson says, for a while there, I thought Greg Williams, yep, that's right, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator of the Browns. Uh, he said then the Browns' defense is going to be like kryptonite to us. Fortunately, our offense is kicking his ass, and that's exactly what happened down the stretch. Brent McCarthy was saying, can you imagine Cook and Jared in the backfield? That's it. Nice win. Bring on the bye week, and yes, indeed, we will. Josh Mariner says Griffin keeps the streak alive, and that's correct. Eight games in a row for Everson. Griffin, we'll hear about that again in another thread coming up here. Great, great inclusion from uh, you three, especially there. Mark Carlson is also was saying, what fair catch clearly called for, and you run him down with no penalty. Yep, there's another one, too, and that did happen. Uh, I don't know how, but my comment is out of order. Huh. <laughs> that's funny. Hmm. That is kind of weird how that popped up like that. Sometimes it's just strange. So let's look at the post game thread here. And I do believe there is a visitor post as well. 
Back up, back up, back up. Here we go. Brett McCarthy says, nice win. Bring on the bye week. Yep, he posted it twice there. Uh, Sebastian, not not the way I thought it, it should go, but we still won by 17. And yeah, it's like the final score, a lot prettier than the game itself. Uh, weird, but we'll take it. Yep, he says, bye week. Yeah, bye week now, 6-2, and two, hashtag skull. Yep, you're right. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota, just like Brett McCarthy, says, that first half was more of a struggle than it should have been. I mean, it's the Browns. But in the end, I'm glad for another win. I was confident they would get there. I'm glad Thielen finally saw the end zone. He's been such an asset this season. He needs to get his just desserts. Skull from Hawaii. Aloha. Skoloha. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. That's a star candidate always. Yep. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Well, thank you for posting from Hawaii, from Hawaii on his vacation there. Pretty cool. And man, you're lucky. Oh, I want to see Hawaii one of these days. Man, you know, there are certain places in this world that are just... I've I've just heard so many good things about Hawaii. How you just, you never... Once you're there, you never want to leave. Never. And I don't know, I probably shouldn't even be giving Tony Coleman that thought of leaving. Yeah, because you, you don't want to leave, I bet. Uh, Brent Jacobson says, a win's a win. Yeah, it might not have been as pretty as we wanted, but I'm glad we didn't get anyone majorly injured and didn't give the Browns their first win. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Brent. Mm, and that was a huge fear. I mean, people getting hurt or giving them a win or both. I mean, that would just be like the worst day ever. Uh, Tony Coleman, you're a star candidate, though, for... For still including Purple Mafia in your vacation, that is, in, in, in Hawaii nonetheless, my God, that is dedication. Wow. Wow. Matt Emer right there in his backyard in the UK says, grinded that one out at first, but comfortable in the end. Nice win now. We am nice, pardon me, nice win. Now we rest and hopefully keep it after the bye. And that's a huge hopefully, boy. Whew. Yep. I, I hope the Vikings beat the Washington Redskins. That would be ex- just huge. I mean, you get to 7-2. and two, versus 6-3, and three, you win a road game in a place that's always been kind of weird and funky, you know, to us, regardless of how good we are or how bad Washington is or how whatever, how bad we are, how good they are. It seems like Washington's usually a team that rolls over us, and uh, that's the hope the Vikings are able to get through that. Um, more and more coming up here as the Vikings continue to get more and more popular. That's good, and the fans are getting more and more excited about this team again, and it's fun. It's fun to see this happening. I mean, you're six and two with a backup quarterback or third string, whatever. I mean, he's he's a backup quarterback, but and you lose your star running back. I mean, I I can't stop saying it because it's just crazy. It's it's cool that we're able to keep this thing going. And wow, good good fortune, good fortune. Yes. <laughs> Dave Vicky says I was nervous for a while there. Whatever it takes. They remind me of the Ravens the year they won the Super Bowl. Mostly defense and steady quarterback play, and curses have been breaking a lot lately. Skull. Yeah, it's time to be the next one, David. Really is. Oh, yeah. Eric Mustard. Eric Mustard. Let's. It's an interesting one. Where is he from? Hmm. Oh, I'm curious. I, I don't think I've read this name before. Maybe. It's, uh, it does kind of sound familiar. Uh, I don't know if he actually likes the page or not. It doesn't show that he does or doesn't. I'm guessing he's from Mankato. That's my. He's either from Mankato or or England. He's one of the two. <laughs> and of course, it's taking about 20 minutes to load. But <laughs> you, you know, I mean, yes, this team is kind of looking a little bit more and more Baltimore-like. Yes, uh, he's a mutual friend of Tony Holman, so he's probably from South Dakota. That would be my guess. Oh yeah, I think I've yeah yeah yeah. I think he popped in 
not too long ago. Maybe he does like the page. Uh huh. I think Tony Cohen may have referred him to this uh, to the Purple Mafia page, which, by the way, is facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia. Like the Twitter account is at Purple Mafia Show. Uh, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. All this information will be in the show description, like I always am hopefully kind enough to mention. <laughs> As we try to get back to this, Eric Mustard says, kind of ugly in the first half, but the adjustments, and I hope I'm saying it right, but the adjustments at halftime seem to work. Oh, and this gem. Yep, there's the alert. Vikings Everson Griffin becomes third player to record sack in each of his team's first eight games since 1982. Sebastian Barton asks, who are the other two? And Eric responds with, Everson Griffin is the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Griffin got to Kaiser in the fourth quarter to give him a sack in each of Minnesota's eight games. The eight-year veteran now has 10 sacks on the season and joined former Colts pass rusher Dwight Freeney in 2009 and Robert Mathis, 2005, as the only players in NFL history to record a sack in each of his team's first eight games. And that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's amazing. Um, Third player, the third player to do it since 1982. So nobody did it after, really, uh, 82 until 2005. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Reggie Adams Jr. says Jim Marshall and Jared Allen. Hmm. Jim Marshall and Jared Allen. I'm not sure. Maybe it's uh, it's some kind of Viking-related. I'm not sure, though, because it was the other ones that uh, Eric mentioned, I believe. But I'm not sure. Um, but maybe 10 sacks at this stage, yeah. Uh, Dave Hickey out of Iowa, if I didn't mention. He is... And Reggie Adams is also out of Mankato, just like Sebastian there. Uh, Dave Hickey says, Perfect time for a bye. Try and get healthy and give Teddy a lot more reps with the starters. But like I said last week, we should bring him along slowly unless Case really struggles. See, that's the other thing, too. If Case is leading this team and people are buying into him and all that, it's okay to leave him in there, yes. And if it takes till next season for Teddy to be healthy enough to play or to be, to really be ready to roll, maybe bring back that hunger, then so be it. And I really want Teddy signed and back on the Vikings next year. I would love to see that. I do think this franchise, you know, I, I heard in the background this week that they, that they, that they would not mind getting rid of Teddy. I, I don't know. I think Mike Zimmer really wants to keep him around. And that's, that's what I've been hearing for a while. I would not be surprised if Teddy did uh, take some snaps this season at some point, and maybe some significant ones. Uh, Dave Hickey continues with another post, says, it's time for me to get busy. We're running out of time outside. So my, yep, so my Fran Award, yep, I understand there how it gets a little dark later there. My Fran Award goes to Case, and the Ponder goes to the D-line. I missed a little of the game, but I think, yep, they only got one sack to keep Griffin's the Griffin's streak alive. It was two. Uh, Tom Johnson added in, but yeah, that's, you know... You didn't see a whole lot of pass rush today, did you, until much later? Uh, it took three quarters for the pass rush. It took three quarters for the Vikings offense to kind of really do something, too, um, other than some four-bath field goals. And obviously, you got him in field goal range. You had to earn it. And lucky for the Vikings, they are able to get a field goal in the last 40 seconds as well in uh, the first half. That was nice. And the four-bath nailed that sucker. That was pretty cool. Uh, he says, with Joe Thomas being out, yep, and that's the star left tackle there that I wish was on the Vikings, frankly. Uh, with him being out, I thought the line might get five or six sacks. Yeah, exactly. But that backup did a good job today, I suppose. <laughs> you thought they were going to get that many? That wasn't the case. Great show again last week. Thank you. Yep, yep. Thank you very much, Dave. He says, peace out and skull Vikings. 
Cedric Paulding and Dave Hickey is a star candidate every week, and a lot of you are. I'd have to say most of you are. Cedric Paulding says, good win, but watching this game was aggravating. Skull Vikings win. Mm-hmm. James Beck, also out of the UK, and look who was there. Yes, sir, yet another one. James Beck at the game, just like Dave Martin. Way to go, James Beck, <laughs> out of the UK. He says, decent enough, first NFL game for me today. Aw. You know, you're getting a star for sure today, Dave James back for that. Just for that alone, you, you're getting a star. Um, first NFL game for me today, first half, stop giving away bleeping penalties. Second half, much better. A win is a win. That's, I, I, that matters in the end. Uh, Mark Carlson says, Skull Brother. Wow, yep, as he was happy to see James back there in person, <laughs> right there at the game. Leland, um, who is out of Iowa, says, Nice win for the Vikes now for some needed rest. And Mark Carlson wraps up this section, says it wasn't pretty, but I had that kind of feeling. You know, like when this team beats the best in the league and struggles and loses to the worst. That's how this team has been, I swear, all my life. Yep, just like back in the Denny Green days, they'd always say the Vikings play to the level of their opponents. Like you go out there, yep, and you got me going, I love it. You go out there, you beat a first place New York Giants team, like say circa 94 or whatever, and then you come back and lose to the freaking Buccaneers. You know, it's teams like that. And, and, and you lose to the Patriots. And we're talking the Patriots in 94 with a rookie named Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe sucked in 94. The Patriots sucked in 94. Or was it his second year, I think? Yeah, the Patriots sucked, sucked in the early 90s. And that might sound really weird to some of you out there. In fact, a lot of you. How hard the Patriots sucked back then. I mean, you had interceptions thrown right in, your, in our hands, and they literally magically went right through our hands to the wide receiver. I don't know how that's possible. Jack Del Rio, one of the best linebackers in football back then, had the ball. Jack Del Rio, you know, the guy who's been a successful head coach, successful defensive coordinator. Yes, number 55 of the Minnesota Vikings, that guy, Jack Del Rio. He had an interception easily, but it just magically went through his hands before he could close his hands, and it was caught by the wide receiver, and the Patriots continued things going. Instead of being 8-2, and two, the Vikings were 7-3, and three, and that started the downturn. The Vikings lost five games in a row, I think, and finished 10-6. and six. Luckily, we beat the 49ers when they were already 13-2 and two at the moment. They, were, they ended up 13-3 and three because we beat them, because they sat down Steve Young after, like, three passes, and he got sacked once in the game. They're like, okay, no, 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 no. We're trying, we're, we're going to win the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. Sit down, and Elvis Gerbach, you get, get in there. Get in there, rookie Elvis Gerbach, backup quarterback. And that was my first Minnesota Vikings game, uh, James Beck. So, yep, that was my first Viking game back in 94. I was 15, if I remember correctly. 94. Uh, it was... Yes, uh, yes, 94. I was 15. 49ers went on to roll to their first, uh, first, yeah, right, their fifth Super Bowl championship with Steve Young as the quarterback for the first time and only time with the, and the final time the 49ers won the Super Bowl. I would have thought they'd win two or three since then. And no, they didn't. <laughs> that was a very, very proud franchise back then. And when you look at the 49ers these days, <sighs> yeah, it's strange. I mean, how hard the Patriots suck now, or back then, I mean, compared to how hard the 49ers suck now. Just come, just switch the two. You know what I mean? The Patriots and the, and the 49ers, switch them up. Just like Joe Montana was from the Boston area, ended up quarterbacking the 49ers. And um, Mr. Tom Brady was from California, Northern California, big 49ers fan, went to them all the time. Joe Montana was his favorite quarterback. And where did he go to lead the way? Boston. That's the renewing the Patriots. That's Boston, Massachusetts area. 
and five Super Bowls there. All with him, though. Joe Montana was not on the roster anymore when the, when the Niners won their fifth, but still. Crazy. Um, just weird how things do that, how things go, and it's kind of cool at the same time. Uh, it's, it's one of those weird facts, one of those weird things out there that a lot of you do know, but some of you probably don't. A good portion of you probably don't know about that. Uh, one of those just weird facts out there that just twist your mind a bit. This is what it was. Yep, I knew there were a couple here. Ah, here it is. 10A Brown out of New Zealand says Joey. And that's from a, that's from a, that's a Timberwolves explosion to Hank McCoy shout out there. He says, I have a question due to comments I've seen on Twitter. If the Vikings had Teddy or Bradford at quarterback, do you think we would be blowing teams out? Would we be seen as a top five team in the league or would we just come up weak against opponents? Um... I think we'd be a little bit better, I think, especially the way Sam Bradford looked with the offensive line in front of him. At the time, I was saying probably not, but I do think our long-term chances this season would be stronger as in a playoff run. Yeah, um, I might have been a little bit kind of out of it when I said that. It, you know, I it's more of, yes, because Case Keenum has done a pretty good job, and he's got that gunslinger to him. He's got that pizzazz. This show's going to be a tiny bit longer than I thought, but that's okay. Getting a little wordy here, but it is what it is. It's good conversation, so why not? Um, great conversation. Thanks to today, Dave Hickey, you know, Mark Carlson. You guys are just superstars. Mad Martin. You can just go on forever with your guys. Uh, of course, today here. Just, you know, really good contribution. Good question here. And, and uh, Sebastian wraps the show up with a good one, too. Um, but to get back to today here, it's, yeah, I mean, how good Bradford looked with that offensive line in front of him. Would we be blowing them out? I don't think so, because it's just there's a little inconsistency to this team. But I, we'd be a little better. I, I think one of the other keys, of course, that's missing there is Delvin Cook. It's insane when you consider how good this team is right now, um, you know, record-wise anyway, and how we're able to survive games the way we do. When you put the thought of maybe if Teddy was never injured and he was, like, continuing the progress he was making last year into this year... And he has offensive line protection. And Delvin Cook is the running back. Like he's healthy. Whoa. And then you also have Latavius Murray. And you also have Jarek McKinnon for, for different situations out there. Like currently. Like, you know, I mean, obviously their roles would be reduced. But they'd still get used at times and make some big plays. I love that Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray are getting opportunities. Because they are really making the most of them. They're making, that might be one of the few reasons why people aren't thinking about Delvin Cook as much at the moment. And also because Delvin Cook, there's no chance he's coming back this year where Teddy Bridgewater and Bradford, you never do know. There's always that small possibility, especially Teddy. Um, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I really do. And I love the mobility, the intelligence, and the accuracy. It's just, it was always the deep ball that kind of held him back a little bit. And boy, if that can develop. And it looked like there were signs that it was getting a little better but right before the injury. Um I do think the team would be better, especially in the playoffs long-term, if they had one of those two. And that's one of the reasons I want Teddy Bridgewater to be the starting quarterback if, of course, Sam Bradford is unavailable, as all that is still kind of up in the air. Here it is. The meme is, what grade would you give Mike Zimmer? And this is like one of those questions that could go on forever. I can't believe nobody responded to this. I'm going to share it on the main part. That way I can get more response into next week, hopefully. Uh, I'm going to, if I can hopefully get that, I want this to be, I want some conversation with this one. I can't believe nobody responded to it. So, mm, 
but it might be in a section where it's hard for people to see. That's the stupid part. I, yeah, you want to get more responses along with like like Tanae too. He wanted to get more responses for that one. Um, Sebastian Barton, in his mind, he says C to C plus. This offense has gone through inconsistency, and I know health problems. But he played Sam, who had no business starting at Chicago. His responsible his he's responsible for coordinators. Yep, that means I put the play calling on his head and the D's ability to take the worst time penalties ever. Especially on third down, they bleep it up with penalties. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times, that's stupid holding and stupid this and stupid that. It's so annoying. And it's on both sides of the ball. Some stupid bats interference, a stupid chop block, whatever it is. And, you know, the chop block hadn't happened yet at the moment, but that's an example where the Vikings got a big first down on, on a third down and then a chop block. Great. And the next thing you know, you're kicking. Or you blow an opportunity to really bust the game open. So, Mike Zimmer... It's like C plus, B minus, I think, because I think his defense is that difference-making when guys are healthy, when guys are listening, they're, they're cooperating with it. B minus. I'm going to give Mike Zimmer a B minus because, yes, the other stuff, the other stuff that's out there, you can throw in the personality traits that are damaging at times, like, like uh, you know, just kind of throwing Sharif Floyd under the bus when it's one of those medical issues. It's not It's not an effort issue. It was a medical issue. Um the strange behavior with the media, you know, and you know, the media sucks. You know, I'm one of those people, but you can just kind of read between the lines there that doesn't like the media very much, even though I'd probably be very good and polite with the media, as long as they don't push politics on me, just stay with the freaking game and not pushing politics. Cause when the media does that, that ruins it. Okay. There I go. But, um, but you know, at the same time, I mean, Certain stuff is just kind of like, you know, 101, 101, like fans versus fans, not fans versus, but fan to coach, fan to team relations. You know, when you give no information on stuff, that's not that big a deal. It's not top secret information. It's not nuclear threats with North Korea. It's not subs. It's not Nazi subs in the, in the Atlantic Ocean during World War II. It's not loose lips sink ships type of stuff. So, I mean, calm down a little bit on some of that. That's kind of some of the stuff that bugs me a little bit, too, at times. Um, it doesn't offend me, but it's kind of like, uh, come on. It's not necessary. And I know he's not the first NFL coach to do that. That's for damn sure. Childress was weird. And, of course, Bill Belichick is weird, but he's the greatest coach ever. You know, it's one of those. He's, he's got a, he's got the same green card as uh, uh, Greg Popovich in the NBA. Um <laughs> Yeah, but there are a lot of things I like more about uh, Bill Belichick than Greg Popovich, but mm, a lot of things, <laughs> including I like the Patriots more than the Spurs, that's for sure. That's that's just the beginning. We'll leave that alone. Um, what else? Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, just his defense is so difference-making. He's not Leslie Frazier, where he's a defensive coordinator, and defense should be a specialty, and then you have the worst defense ever, basically, even though you have some pretty big names on the team. Yes, some of it's on the GM making bad decisions. Some of there's some injuries, but still, I mean, you saw no semblance of defense in 2013. You see Jared Allen, you can read his lips. This is the worst defense I've ever been a part of as he's watching a replay on the screen. I mean, that's a that's bullcrap. So, again, at least Zimmer is as advertised in terms of he's a, he is a real defensive coordinator, a real defensive coach, that type of thing. So that's what I like more about Zimmer than, say, the Frasers of the world. At least you're getting what was advertised in that sense. Um, other relations, I don't know. Uh, you know, offense, 
it, you know, inconsistencies of, of, of course. And unfortunately you're going to get that with every coach. Like some coaches, you're not going to get a whole lot of balance because they were always this coordinator or that coordinator. And there's always going to be a little bit of strength in one way or the other, unless you have like the best offensive coordinator ever on the other side. And even sometimes that doesn't work out because maybe the philosophies are quite different. So B minus for Mike Zimmer. Long story shorter, finally, after a long story was much longer there. But thanks for getting me going, Sebastian. I, you know, he keeps, does he accept stars? I mean, I'm going to give him an honorary gold star because I'm going to give a gold star. But I mean, I will give him an honorary gold star because he really put a good question there and it deserves answering from a lot of people. It, it deserves conversation. So that uh, part of me for that, he uh, deserves a, uh, some recognition for that one. So an honorary gold star or a purple, purple star, a purple star for somebody who's a part of the, who's, who's been a part of the show at times and like to have him on more. He has said, uh, just leave the gold stars to somebody else. So he'll get a purple star. That's what we'll call that. Um, because it was such a great post. It deserves like gold star type of, uh, recognition. Let's get to the stars now. Real quick, before I get to the contact details, wrap this sucker up and Head back to cleanup time soon here. Oh, goody. <laughs> or at least wrapping up the mowing season one last day first. Ah, gold star for today's show. Oh, boy. It's all over. Um, gold star for today's show. Boy, God, it's so hard. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's going to go to... Hmm. God, I am so crazy. Josh Mayer Henry's going to get the gold star for today's show out of Colorado. Awesome inclusion off some conversation back and forth. And he's just, he's one of those great posters out there. Just like his brother, Justin Mayer Henry out of Colorado. Justin's been missing in action. Bring him back, Josh. Bring him back. He, he's back sometimes and he's gone sometimes. So that's kind of in and out there. Uh, Silver star, James Beck and Brett McCarthy. Great inclusion today. Uh, Mad Martin for sure at least gets a bronze. You know, I mean, I'm going to go crazy here. Yeah, I gave James Beck a silver, right? Yep, James Beck and Brett McCarthy will get the silvers. Ah, I'm going to be very generous today. I'm going to go crazy. Uh, of course, how could Tony Coleman not get a star? A silver-plated bronze star for Tony Coleman. Um, for for Senate, for including Cruel Mafia on his vacation. I mean, he almost ought to get a, a fellow gold star there for that one. That's just amazing. Um, and then Mark Carlson and... Yep, Mark Carlson for sure, too. Thought-provoking comments always. And, man, I mean, love you guys. Brent Jacobson, too. And, again, like I always say, you guys could get stars every week. Yeah, Mad Martin, Mark Carlson, and Brent Jacobson all getting bronze stars. I'm going crazy with the generosity today. I mean, I think all of you deserve stars, so it's like it's crazy. But uh, Beck for sure. James Beck. Um, Josh Mirror Henry, amazing inclusion all day today. And, of course, Purple Star for Sebastian Balls for a very thought-provoking commentary there. Thank you for that. That's the kind of stuff that makes this show really cool. So, And it, it gets me going, and it makes my conversation more interesting, too, with you out there. Um, so that's that. Contact details before we wrap up the little brief little adios for the week type of thing. Or two weeks in this case. Two weeks. Ha ha. I'm gone next week. Na 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 boo boo. No, not really. I'll probably focus on Brave the Wild and Timberwolves Explosion. I'll have to use the time for that. I've got to get those shows going again. Um, contact details are, of course, well, there's the Facebook page, like I mentioned. And I'll put that in the, uh, that's all in the show description, the Twitter account, all that. Uh, getting a hold of the show for you, the phone lines is 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for the Purple Mafia show or Purple Mafia and do your statement, shout out, comment, question, whatever it is. 
Alpine and all that. Um, that one's a three minute limit. Same with the one where you do the call now, uh, call now button on the Facebook page. There is a call now button right there. You click on that and it goes right through Facebook messenger. So you could be from any part of the world and it goes to the same phone line. So you don't have to worry about long distance or any of that, even though that's becoming more of a myth than a reality. But this, that's the way you could call into this show via, you know, these, these applications out there. Uh, all you need is Wi-Fi, including if you're on the International Space Station, you can still get a hold of the show because I'm sure they have Wi-Fi up there. So if you're up there, Buzz Aldrin or whoever, no, I'm kidding, uh, Buzz Aldrin the, the third, right, <laughs> listening to the show and you're a Viking fan or Timberwolves Explosion, whatever, yeah, just there you go. <laughs> That's how you can get on. And, of course, there's the free voice recorders on every single applica- on every single smartphone out there, voice recording application. It's usually right on there built onto your phone. It's a built-in application. You can use that, treat it like a phone call, save it, and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. And there it is. All that information will be in the show description, like I always say. So, again, thank you very, very much for that. You can copy and paste the email address, send it right away, and on Purple Mafia it goes. Can't wait to hear Mad Martin's Mad Takes again. Today's takes either on here or on, of course, Timberwolves Explosion. Anybody can call in to Brave the Wild, too. It would be greatly appreciated. I miss getting calls for that one, too. Oh, the Wild stepping up a little bit. Do check out Brave the Wild soon. Timberwolves Explosion, all that. And, of course, thank you for keeping up for this show. Please tell your friends about it. Do write a positive uh, rating on iTunes if you could. A positive review. A nice five-star rating if you could. Four-star, whatever it is. And you will definitely get a star on the next show. If <laughs> once I see it, which will probably be right away, I will uh, give you a star on the next show for sure and a big giant thank you. So here comes the cleanups. Yeah, they're going to be starting. So by the next time I do another Purple Mafia show, I'll be uh, probably head first into the cleanup season because we're talking two weeks from now. So it's going to be a bye week. I hope all of you enjoy yourself. I guess that's okay. This is a little bit longer show because there's nothing next week. So and it was a nice early start to the day and you got the afternoon off how cool was that and that's that's nice once in a while you still have the viking game and the afternoon off though a little sacrilegious in the morning missing church <laughs> whoops it's just one of those um the weather's all over the place at least in this part of the this neck of the woods up here in the twin cities like 40s all week so not too warm that's for sure but not that cold um I hope you. Do, I, I hope those of you, those of you over there in the United Kingdom, enjoyed the game and got to have a nice experience. And it was just everything was worth it, even though the Vikings looked kind of ugly for a little while there. You still got the win. You still got a team that's. You still got a team that's projected to go twelve and four if all goes well. That's crazy. Um, if you go six and two one more time, that's twelve and four. That's crazy. I know it's not easy, and you, you just have to go five and three to be eleven and five again, like two thousand six uh, fifteen. Pardon me. And there you are again, right where you were, and you just might be seeing Seattle again. And this time, you just finish the job. That's all. <laughs> that's the hope. And go from there. Go from there because I think it's a it's a the NFC North is the NFC. Pardon me, is very winnable this year. Seattle's still lurking. The Saints are dangerous. This and that. The Eagles. Who knows how good they really are? They might be. They might really be really good, and maybe they're not. I I don't know. But they might have that thirteen and three type of season, and we'll see what happens from there. Um, I don't know. It's going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun to keep up with. It's something to look forward to, getting back into the playoff picture again. And again, that's that's more reason why I think Zimmer is a, a B minus, not a you know. I don't think he's in the C's, but I totally don't. Just you know, I totally am not going to diss what Sebastian said there. I think he made a lot of awesome points there, and that's why he gets a purple star for uh, generating some major conversation there and 
some pretty damn good takes. And Sebastian, you always have a green light to get on this show for longer than five minutes if you want. Just any time, man. I'm, I'm telling you, any time. I mean, you could have a nice, big, giant segment. <laughs> you could even say the F word, but I'll probably encourage you not to say it too much if you could. But I'll give you the green light to do whatever you want, as long as it's not over-the-top insane. That's all. But, uh, as long, you know, stick to the Vikings more than the F-bomb, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I love what Sebastian calls in. He is just... Uh, Wow, just a superstar. And that's why he's a huge part of the show. Brent Jacobson, Mad Martin's Mad Takes. Man, oh, you guys are legends, man. So thanks again. Mark Carlson's always welcome to call in. Dave Hickey's always welcome to call in. I mean, all of you are. James Beck, any of you. Leland. Um, you know, I could mention you got all of you. Cedric Paulding, always welcome to call in. Any one of you. Uh, Brett McCarthy, I, I could go on forever. Tony Coleman would be cool too. <laughs> After all these years, wouldn't that be cool? So... Yes, now I'll get to <laughs> call it a day here. I'm kind of rambling on, but it's just, you know, hey, five weeks coming, so gives you a little little, little, little extra bonus here at the end. So thanks again for listening. God bless, and we will talk to you in two weeks.